You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Marco the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, and the eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative Gibbles and Bits. How are you guys doing tonight? We never know who to jump in first. It, for, Both just got, looked we, at each other. We, yeah, we have to set a precedent that maybe a DBN, you always jump in first and, and then Gibbles when it's the three of us. Oh, okay. So now oh. we've we've uh, that's a look behind the curtain for everybody. Yeah, uh, just we a actually little... are totally scripted. It's a formula. We just rinse and repeat. We've gone sellout mode. There's no original content. It doesn't exist anymore. We, we actually have a corporate the... company write it for us. <laughs> we could that's hit right. the stop button and then the restart button, and just like we only have spoken for like forty seconds. But nope, we're in. What they we're, don't we're... know is that we have done that three times. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's for sure, true. For... <laughs> it's like I, I'm the whistleblower here, guys. We 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 tried it seven. We did seven takes. Gibbles next, and DBN just can't get me figure out of here. who should go next. <laughs> next episode, there's only going to be two hosts. He's going to be behind bars for blowing all of our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, not too long. We will be down to uh, we will be down to a regular two. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm very interested to see if uh, if when I'm not here, which one of you will announce the other person, and if you can do catastrophically creative, and if you can grumble through. Uh, the the legends cast intro well enough that that that's something that that I'm curious about. Uh, but it's only been a couple days since we recorded. What if so I instead I over enunciate it. No, we need to have just a grumble to, off. Just to create a nice contrast. <laughs> a grumble know. off. I I guarantee you can get worse than what I'm doing. We need to have a grumble <laughs> off. <laughs> I promise you, it can get worse. It's tradition. <laughs> you don't mess with tradition. That's fair. That's fair. You have to keep it, man. You have to keep it. Uh, we just recorded a couple days ago uh, and released an episode talking about a lot of the rumination cards because uh, we needed to break up the sheer amount of cards that we're getting new to the game and wanted to make sure that we could cover everything. And I think we have all but like tomorrow's. There's like one last set of cards. Is that is that accurate? I think that's right. Sounds about right. Yeah, Gibbles is usually the one who knows things like that. Like if you. I only know that because I'm I, I just listen to what everybody else says in the podcast uh, Discord. They usually know what they're talking about, and I just am on it enough that I usually get a good picture from everyone going back and forth of yes, yes it is, no it's not, yes it is, oh no I, you're you're right, it is. Someone finally just goes to Riot's page and just settles the argument, and then that's what I look at. Yeah, yeah. So I think tomorrow is like the last set of cards, or we should only miss a couple, and it looks like pretty certain at this point that we're not going to be getting another uh another champion so we felt safe talking about you know what remains and getting that episode out a little bit early for you guys so that you can listen to our thoughts as, as, if that matters to you um before you get a chance to play with the cards but but for real dbn how you doing tonight bro no I, i'm doing good man I'm, I, <laughs> uh, all that to tell you this i'm doing good that's good how about you gibbles and bits i am doing great I have had a great day. Got to play some uh, some LOR earlier with some some buds from from our Discord. Shout out to to Templar and Chris Engel and gaming with Anthony. Yeah, new to the Discord, new to the community. 
Absolutely. He wondered when he was going to get to come on the show. He messaged me. I said he has to win a he has to win a seasonal. Hey, uh, get in line, buddy. <laughs> Took forever for me to get on. Then I had nepotism. <laughs> well, LOR has been treating me beautifully recently, and I can't get enough of it. It's like the first time in a long time that I can remember. It was like I used I I've always played a card game on the side, but it's rarely been my priority game. It's like I do play it every day. But in the evening, if I have the choice between playing some Runeterra or playing any other card game that I've played in the past, Hearthstone, it's been since I was grinding 500 rank wins on every class in Hearthstone that I have like just it's been like my go to game, right? Like above every other RPG, every other MMO, above every other, you know, shooter, whatever it is that I'm playing at the time. And Runeterra has never been that for me, not since I started playing it. Um, I've it's been my go to card game, but not my go-to game i've just i've just always kept up with it and played it um relatively casually but these last couple of weeks uh with the release of this new content i've been like absolutely adoring it and and dbn's gonna call me out he's gonna call me out because i'm gonna say i found no. my new favorite deck i found any no no, well, no, no. He, 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 okay so i i found and i i know it's existed but i love it lee sin riven uh, I, I, I took uh, Yetis to gold, gold okay. core, and I've taken Lee Sin Riven with probably dang near uh, 65% win rate, clean from gold four to gold one. Um, like I, I played this morning from gold two, zero LP to gold one, eight LP. And I think I lost two games the entire morning on stream. It is tremendously fun. And here's what I learned, DBN. I, I'm trying, I was trying to math it out and figure out what type of decks I liked and why I keep saying these are my favorite decks. What are Yetis? What are you guys? What are Yetis? Ash and, and Lee Sin Riven have in common. And Mistrates. And, okay. That might be unfair. And Elites. Okay, that might be unfair. Okay, yeah. but not, but not. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Elites I'm not seeing the correlation where you're getting at. Okay, detail. elites and mistwraiths don't get into this. They are, they are my one of my favorites because they're beatdown, and I like beatdown decks. Yetis, Ash, and uh, Riven Lee Sin are all proactive combo decks. You they all like have kind of I decks love... with characters that are comfortable in the wilderness. That is something else that I love. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, really, if you can't make it uh, for a night in the woods and build a shelter for yourself, I'm really not interested in hanging out with you uh, or mm -hmm. playing a card game with you. But they're all proactive, proactive combo decks. Ash wants to proactively dominate the board and then wants to combo off with a board and win. Yetis is proactively trying to get a combo so he can dump a bunch of Yetis on the board. And Lee Sin Riven is probably the most quintessential. Maybe, maybe it's a stretch that all of those are proactive combo decks, but that... I, I know I, I, I actually would agree with that. Combo, combo is not combo doesn't mean aggro control mid-range. Combo is how you're achieving your win condition. You know, um, mid-range decks have interchangeable tools, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, control decks are waiting to a lot of times control decks will have a combo win condition, um, but they can also have an attrition win condition where they're basically just going to card for card, you know, wear you out through a, you know, a conjunction of healing and whatnot. I mean, really, really any deck that's not combo 
they will have small combo pieces, but their win condition isn't reliant on specific cards being pulled together. Their win condition is reliant on, you know, cards being interchangeable and serving multiple purposes. Um, so from that perspective, I would say that, yeah, Ash, Yetis, and um, definitely Lee and uh, Riven are all combo decks. Um, they just have, they just win at different times in the game. You know, sure. and the combos vary in their in what they do for you. You know, I mean, Yeti's really. I think Yeti's maybe you could argue are the least comboy, but but no, I I would still say you need to assemble enough pieces together to see the value of how the deck wants to win. So in that case, absolutely, I I would say it's just that it the payoff is not as strong, but it's easier to put together. Sure, right? sure. Um. So yeah, no, it's um. I, I, that makes sense to me. The, guys, the reason why we're doing this is because Mark declared Lee Sin Riven his favorite deck, uh, and I gave him a hard time because I said uh, anytime he wins with the deck, he says that. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of true. It's like a little, it's a little true. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, that's good, though. That's good that, I mean, winning is fun, but I think that it's fair to say, Mark, that, that like how you win is also important to you. Like, you know, the, 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 you can win with the deck and if it's not fun to pilot or if it doesn't feel, you know, um, enjoyable and fair, at least to you, then I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think, and we've talked about this in Tesla before, you know, where you would play a deck and win a lot with it and feel bad about it and not want to play it anymore. You know, so like that, that's a legitimate thing. So or I think, just not have know, fun with it in general. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes you're just like, right. yeah, this wasn't even fun. Like, just... So I think it's a good sign if, if you know, you, you've got an, a new deck and you're winning with it and having fun and it's your new favorite deck. Well, gosh darn it. Don't let some jerk face like DBN uh, bring you down, you know? <laughs> no, no. Be optimistic he was, about he, it. He, he, was, he was right. He was right. That DBN, that that, that old so-and-so, he was he was right, right on stream today. I was like, because as soon as you got done, Ben's like, yeah, you just said that Yetis were your favorite on the episode that was released yesterday. I was like, dang it. Um, well, yeah. I have a new favorite. <laughs> and, then, and then when the new stuff drops on Wednesday, he'll have a new favorite. I might. I might. Come here, Diego. Uh, I might have a new favorite. Uh, either of you guys have I anything can. new. Yes, I can. Anything new since Saturday that you're playing that you've been uh, experimenting with? There's, there is so much out there still that hasn't been. I mean, one of the main reasons I'm playing is because Riven was upgraded. You know, she was she was buffed in the last patch, and uh, so either you guys experimenting with anything that, or, or anything like that in the last couple of days? Yeah, I um today in particular, um, and last night pretty pretty late but into into today i was trying to experiment and it's a deck that i think i had heard dbn throw out the idea of when we were getting all of this new stuff for rise of the underworlds and a, a person or two in in our discord had been calling for it i had tried to make pike renekton today oh yeah 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 i tried to put together a deck for that and it's interesting because there's a couple ways i could see theoretically building that um, I I think in terms of so, so you want to buff Pike clearly. So if either you run the lurk package as a whole, and then maybe a couple other buff cards to sure. help Renekton with with the vulnerable stuff. Or um, the problem was that I ran into it was there was a couple ways to build it, and nothing felt super cohesive and streamlined. And I, I sat around today, this afternoon, and I thought about why that is. And I had this interesting revelation that I don't think I had thought about in some time when it came to deck building is 
And I like this because we're getting bigger in card pool mm-hmm. and we're getting some more complex champions, Renekton and Pike being on the newer side in terms of the card pool for our champions. They are both champions that require you to build around them so much in the deck with deck space that it felt like one of them had to dominate the other. And then you start having the conversation of why is the other one in the deck? So we like the one way to build it was you either go and really try to hone in on Pike and you put some of the, a lot of the lurk package in there. Sure. Or um, to make him more consistent or you run none of the lurk package and you run a bunch of vulnerable and you run other buffs that don't that make Renekton better and maybe protect Renekton, but then Pike sits at two attack and it's really hard to get him leveled up to where he's wiping a whole board. So it was, I had a really hard time building that. I'm still tweaking with it. I don't know if I'll find a build that I like, but that was kind of my project for today was trying to build that. And it was, it's, it's absolutely a challenge. I, I put that challenge out there to anybody else in our discord. If you want to try to build a cohesive Pike, Renekton deck and send it to me so then I can just pilot it and claim it as my own. Um, I would love that. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, I actually had a very similar thought. Uh, I'm sorry, DVN, go ahead. Well, so a week ago, I had I did the same thing that, that Gibby's doing now, which is where I tried to make Renekton and Pike work. And um, basically, as I was playing it, I had built it pretty heavily. I, I put no lurk in the deck unless it made sense for Renekton. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, it was basically as I played it, if Renekton, if I didn't get Renekton and I got Pike, Pike was just a crappier version of Renekton um, that didn't do what I wanted it to do like Renekton did. So in the end, sure. um, I kept the shell, which I loved because the list is freaking bonkers. I beat a... Uh, Oh, uh, Trundle Lissandra control. Mm. I beat Trundle Lissandra control on turn four. Wow. Um, My goodness. Ridiculous combo uh, with uh, Renekton buffed up really high with the list to get two attacks, both with Overwhelm punching through. Uh, I managed to win on turn four. Uh, But at the end of the day, every time I play it, win or lose, Pike would often sit in my hand sad if Renekton was there Mm. right yeah so I cut Pike added Sivir and never looked back yeah because Sivir's bonkers right now I mean Sivir's a great card and the buff is what I realized too is that like well and more than that uh spell shield is so great because I realized the deck is basically playing a faster version of the overwhelm kind of Renekton Sedge, mm-hmm. but it's trying mm-hmm. to go faster. So, like, I top out at Ruin Runner, and it's like, okay, Pike is too slow then. You know, uh, Pike doesn't do what... Pike and Renekton both want to, you know, challenge things and kill things. Pike wants to remove the board. Renekton wants to punch damage. So, like, they don't... You know, they seem like they go together, and, and really, the more I thought about it, it's like Gibby said, the more they, they demand their own dedicated... You know, situation now. Is there a build where I cut Renekton, keep Pike, and build harder in that direction? Absolutely. With, with vulnerables and stuff like that. 
um, and not worry so much about Lurk? I think there could be, you know, but in that situation, you're running more units, you're running them at a higher price point because, you know, Renek er, Pike is clearing the way for something else, um, you know, a finisher of some sort. Um, because that's basically what he does in Lurk, is he ices the board so that your big high-attack Lurk units can come in and punch damage. The difference is, is that Lurk works for those Lurk units to be the payoff. So you need another payoff for Pike being a massive threat and also, you know, hopefully leveling and clearing the board. At the end of the day, uh, I feel like not just do they both demand a pretty high commitment in deck building, but they also want to win the game at different times. So, yeah. While also taking up the same mana cost. That's true, too. Yeah. When I looked at it, it was like, okay, I could uh, build a lot around Vulnerable in order to, you know, get my Renekton, like, really strong. But then Pike sucks because you just don't get the cards. You know, you don't get the buffs on Pike that you need. Okay, well, then we build around Pike and we do a bunch of Lurks and throw Renekton in. And then every single time you do that, you're like, every time you have Renekton in your hand, you're like, this deck is just obviously better with Rek'Sai. Uh, because <laughs> Rek'Sai in almost every situation in a purely Lurk deck. So unless you go out of Shurima, and as soon as you leave Shurima, then it's like, well, Pike doesn't have many of the Lurk tools option, options available. So it turns out that Pike is a little bit more pigeonholed than what I would have liked to see him, because I was doing some brainstorming on that deck as well. Although I did today run Pike Nasus in a, uh, in a Lab of Legends, and I think there is something to be said for that, because if you can figure out how to do Lurks with Pike, and use him as a control tool every time he slays stuff it's gonna not you know it's gonna buff up your nasus you can buff up your nasus huge by using your pike which is kind of an interesting dynamic which might be a slightly different way to play uh nasus rather than playing him to just get him really high and then atrocity your opponent's face um playing like pike as your control champion and nasus as your finisher um could also be kind of uh, an interesting thing to explore uh, what i have found is that pike in that lurk deck is better than rexi if you're going to cut one or the other you cut rexi over pike i think that rexi's strong and sometimes and she's lurk. bonkers and yeah in yeah. lurk in the lurk package if there's one of the two and uh, all I in lurk in all in lurk i think i think i maybe uh, maybe that's depends just what my the, limited experience. it depends what the compliment i think is which i think is kind of what mark's getting at is He's using Nasus as a as a finisher where Rexai usually by the time Rexai comes down, if Rexai comes down and his Rexai's leveled, I just I just surrender. Like because at that point, <laughs> like it's it's probably just over. Um is assuming that that's Rexai is not the only thing on their board. Sure. Um you yeah. because it's usually late game, there's 10 attack, it's got overwhelm. And uh, see, see, I think that I, I think if you're going all in on Lurk. And if you're not going all in on Lurk, you definitely cut Rek'Sai. But if you're going all in on Lurk, you have to have Rek'Sai. Because Rek'Sai triggers, can trigger twice, potentially three times, you know, in one go. Uh, you know, and, and so it's like, I, I mean, there's so much value. And you, have, and you have multiple ways to stack her on top. So it's just, it, it, it really, it, it's such a powerful enabler, more in the deck than it even is on the board. Um, so, yeah. Might I say it is incredible how many times over the past two weeks I've played against Lurk and my opponent has hit the Lurk with Rek'Sai on top yeah, the on turn one blind. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. He spammed one drop on yeah. one and then two one drops on turn two that are all three Lurks swung and hit it. 
Oh no. <laughs> it's the most demoralizing it thing. It Especially really when is. you know that Rex is coming down on turn three or four. But there's nothing that feels better when your opponent turn one goes to lurk and misses and you trade into his opponent. And then on turn two, he throws the fishy at you and misses and you trade into his zero two. And then you're like, you, my friend, you're like, that's what you just, get. You have just lost the game. Um, you cannot come back from that. It's super rare. But occasionally if they miss an early game lurk, oh, my gosh, that deck really struggles if they miss early game lurk and they do not get. I think my experience, honestly, DBN was just like so often they got Pike uh, in his spell form and it was just so hard to deal with uh, with the decks that I was playing specifically. Mm-hmm um because of the quick attack what i learned with rivenly sin in the last couple of days is that quick attack is not your friend it is really really hard you really want to be able to trade into stuff with your smaller guys and your dragonlings and stuff and then uh the worst the worst card for you in the game is siver siver is absolutely lethal to the least in riven deck you just you literally all of your removal is spells and trading into stuff you you can never ever ever deal with her like she's I'm sure that there are decks that, but you have no way to lower her attack to be able to get at her. You have no way to damage her to be able to, you know, scorching earth her. You can't cast spells at her because she has spell shield and all your spells that are bounces are too expensive to try to bounce a Sivir. Um, I pretty much lost every single game that ran Sivir LeBlanc. I beat Sivir Zed several times, and that's kind of like the Fist of Fury uh, combo. Um, but I could not beat Silver Silver LeBlanc to save my life this week. Every time I get up against it, it was a loss. Yeah. LeBlanc is really strong against that deck that I'm talking about, too. It's it's very strong against it. Um, but, hey, we have some announcements. Uh, we have some announcements today. Uh, and, DBN, why don't you start off by announcing a little bit about uh, about the, the latest uh, Legends cast Discord League coming up. Absolutely. I've promised it for like three weeks straight and fallen through. But this time, darn it, I speak truth and I come through on my promises. So good news, guys. Uh, We are very pleased to announce uh, that the next uh, iteration of the Legends Cast Discord League uh, will be beginning. And in fact, uh, as of today, uh, Monday, so, you know, for anyone who's already in our Discord, uh, this will not be as much of a surprise, but if you haven't checked in a while, good news. Uh, the signups are already open, but I will tell you, this league's going to be a little bit different. We're trying something new, um, and uh, and we're definitely making some changes. Uh, again, you know, if and we've got a lot of people that are always giving us feedback, and so we're always trying to listen to as much feedback as we can. Uh, but that also means that you know we're not married to any specific format, and we're always going to be changing things out, trying, uh, trying things until you know we get that that perfect combination. So we're trying something different. We're going to have a little bit of a shorter league this time. So we're going to only be doing a four week league. So that's going to be four rounds of Swiss, um, and then uh, we will be cutting to a top four. Now, if we get a ton of people signing up, like a really a lot of people, we may bump that to top eight. Um, so, you know, don't be shy. Sign up. Um, but 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 this go round, and part of the reason why we went for the only the four-week formats of the six-week that we've been doing before um, is because uh, we wanted to try something different with format. We've never done this before. We've always just kind of done open constructed, uh, but this time we're going to be uh, instilling a very simple deck restriction, something that's been asked for quite a bit. We're going to do an allegiance tournament. Hey, so, 
That is Whoop. exactly what you probably think it, 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 it sounds like. Uh, you can only play mono region lists, okay? Um, I personally am really, really excited about this to the point that I'm going to play this season. You're playing in it. I'm going to play in it. Look out. Oh my uh, I am going to put together some wonky, stupid stuff and just have fun uh, playing playing uh, Allegiance decks. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but uh, but basically, uh, we're actually also going to be changing uh, the actual kind of match format, not just the deck building format, but also the match format. Uh, back by popular demand, uh, we're going to go back to the first season where we did a conquest format. Um, it's going to operate a little bit differently than like standard conquest, um, just because I want to sort of explain. Uh, we are still working off of a uh, non-judged, uh, like no deck lists being exchanged uh, format. So that's basically still closed deck lists. Um, and our rules are uh, pretty straightforward, but I feel they still need to be said. So basically the way it will work is um, with Conquest uh, Allegiance, because there's only four weeks, we want uh, people to get extra games in. So we're actually doing yep. a best of five format, okay? Um, so when you play, the first thing that will happen is once you get your opponent assigned at the beginning of each week, um, you will exchange a region ban anytime before the match. If you guys want to exchange that ahead of time, I certainly don't care. If you want to wait till the day of to exchange it, that's fine too. Um, you'll exchange the region ban, uh, and then as you like queue into the game, your eligible decks, like I said before, they have to be composed of cards from only a single faction that was not banned by the opponent. So that seems obvious, but worth stating. If Gibby bans Freljord for me, I cannot queue a deck that has Freljord in it. Duh. The deck lists are closed, and once you win a match, now this is the conquest part, once a player wins a match, they may no longer select a deck from that faction for the rest of the match. So if I... Uh, win with Targon, I set that aside. I cannot play that deck. I cannot play that region again, okay? If you lose, you may choose to repeat the deck you played or switch to another deck of a different region. And then throughout the course of the match, you cannot play more than three different decks. So once a deck has been shown to an opponent, it is considered locked in to your maximum three decks for the purposes of that match. Once you have won three games, you win the match. And then you'll go into our handy score reporting channel within the Discord and report the results. Basically saying, um, you know, at DBN defeats at the lift, and then you'll report the score. Three games to one. Three to one. Um, three games to none because Mark ran nothing but Poros. That's right. Oh, no. Poros, <laughs> yeah, he just ran three units in every faction. <laughs> yeah, you guys better be ready. I I I mono listed in the last tournament and lost really bad. But I I have practiced. He's been Trav was actually amazing foresight because now yeah, you're prepared. I am now um, prepared. So uh for the dates, signups are now until July 23rd, and then the first round of the Swiss will be on July 26th. Once they all wrap up, we will set up a top four uh bracket and then uh, allow people to play out because we do have some prizes now, because this is a little bit of a shorter uh tournament. We're hoping to you know get more Legends Cast Discord leagues in each year. Um, we are, you know, kind of shorting the format and whatnot. Um, so the prizes are a little bit less than last time. 
Um, but I think, you know, still pretty Gosh, good still, for still great. Still, still pretty great. Yeah. So, uh, so first place will win $50. Um, some form of undetermined legends cast branded swag. It, it'll be uh, a t-shirt. It's going to be a t-shirt. A t-shirt. Yeah. It's I'm the swag master here. It'll be a t-shirt. Yeah, the swag master. Swag, swag master Mark. Yes, here I am. <laughs> uh, and then also a uh, opportunity to be interviewed upon this here podcast. Um, second place will win 30 bucks. Third place, 20. And fourth place, 10. And then for everyone that completed all of their games without forfeiting any, uh, they will be entered into a raffle for another T-shirt. So even if you drop all of your matches and don't make it into the top four, you still have a chance to win a t-shirt so um and you know you'll win our love Absolutely. a crisp high too. five yeah a, a crisp handshake really uh, crisp high five mark will drive Super. to wherever you are he won't do, he doesn't care where it is he will drive there and shake your hand he'll drive to you <laughs> knock on your door respectfully open yes. your door call you a good sir and He'll shake even your bring hand. you a pizza. He will yeah. even bring you a pizza. This is getting a little far-fetched. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. one other thing I really want to say here. Um, right now, uh, we are opening signups for EU. However, we need to hit a minimum of 12 players if we're going to run a tournament for that. I'm really sorry, guys, but we can't offer the same level of prize support if we don't have people signing up. We really want to run an EU bracket. But we gotta have signups, so um, we have to have a minimum of twelve players if we're gonna run an EU tournament. But for our EU players, rally some support um, and uh, see if you guys can hit that number. Okay? Yeah, cool, awesome. Uh, Gibbles, I think you have a short announcement as well, don't you? I do. So as of today, we are—I don't want to say revamping because revamping is not the right word—but reinvigorating our use of the leg- of the Legends Cast uh twitter account so if you just go on twitter and you search legends cast you'll find our bright shiny black and gold logo on there uh, uh, as the picture and uh please go and follow that uh, and we will follow you back as well hopefully if i notice that we have more followers and i can do that uh, i'll be the one predominantly running uh the twitter account uh, and i'll be posting try to be posting each day probably multiple times a day just Posing questions about certain decks or cards, especially when we have reveal season or meta decks or tournaments and things like that. And um, when they're doing the the seasonal tournaments or new game modes and stuff come out or just starting conversation, we want to get um, a little bit more involved back on the Twitter sphere using that account. So um, look forward to us using that. Look for us on there and uh, be sure to be retweeting our stuff and commenting our stuff. It helps us out a lot. And who knows, maybe it'll even land us someone cool on the podcast to interview. That's the goal. Let's be honest. That, that's the end goal. And the more followers we have, the less we look like a total jank fake Twitter page. Um, true, true. So come follow us <laughs> so that we don't look jank when we reach out to devs. And tell, tell all of your other favorite streamers that stream LOR how cool we are yes they All they know oh they know how cool we are especially yeah saucy they're knows gonna how cool we are okay saucy knows <laughs> they're how cool. going to they're gonna. saucy and silver no <laughs> um oh my God. <laughs> okay last announcement for today is the winner of this month's patreon giveaway by that i mean it's last month's because we forgot to do it in june with the excitement of all the cards it's now the middle of july 
and we're finally doing it. Uh, I did do the drawing a little bit earlier, and we got a couple that were not the like had previously won, so we were going to give it away. But this month's winner is Dead Broke Dad. Uh, Yay! And Dead Broke Dad, we have a t-shirt for you or a pint glass. So uh, send me a message. Let me know how I can get that to you or have your son do so. And uh, (laughs) if you want the pint glass, let me know. If you want the t-shirt, let me know your size. And uh, and we'll get that in the mail to you here. Lickety split as fast as I can. It took me like... um, literally like a month to get the last one out because i'm so terrible at it so i'm, I'm really really sorry steel um <laughs> it ended up going to him i did get it out though it, it went it went on its way he took the last hat um so one pint glass and the and the t-shirts left so uh dead broke dad congratulations congratulations yeah hooray for more nepotism yeah there we go speaking and of, no, nep- listen, speaking of nepotism i i am on the patreon list and i never i haven't won yet am i still on that list or have let, I let officially me, been removed because that would be no, extreme no. nepotism? You're you're on the list. You're on the list still. I'm just unlucky. Oh, if you, you can win. win. No, if you win, then you get to choose someone else. So, like, you basically get to forward the nepotism. You know, like they have those things where, like, mm. you you pay for the person's meal behind you. I did you that know, last week like that. at Dunkin' Donuts. Right, and you know how they make a chain? It's like that, but with nepotism. Paid for oh. with nepotism. So basically, right. what what DBN just said is, be nice to me. Come into my come <laughs> yes, into my DMs and and make <laughs> my friend in, slide into those DMs. Slide, if slide you into want my a, Discord a DMs. Chance. Whoever <laughs> sends me, whoever private DMs me the coolest deck that they've their own coolest homebrew will personally be my choice when my name is finally called on that silver day. <laughs> Be oh, beautiful. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, uh, we've talked a lot about good stuff. Let's go ahead and jump in uh, to our main subject for this episode, talking about the cards. Time for the main event. Okay, guys, uh, it's no mystery. We've gotten a lot of cards that have come out over the last couple of weeks, and uh, and we're going to dive in talking about the various cards that we're going to be getting uh, this upcoming Wednesday with the release of the Ruination and Sentinels of Light event, which both, you know all three of us are very excited for. Really cool stuff. We're going to start from the most recent release, which came out today, and work our way through and have a little discussion. There's really not that many cards. There's probably only, what, like, I don't know, 15 or 10 or something like that. Maybe, maybe even less than that. Uh, that we're going to be talking about, but the first one is an Ionia card, six mana, five, six with a tune called scattered pot. It's a rare card. It reads this play, draw a slow, fast or burst spell. And then enlightened. I have elusive. So of course at 10 mana, this is, a, you know, six mana, five, six with a tune and elusive uh, that draws you a slow, fast or a burst spell. Do we get any confirmation on this guys? Did either of you know, if you get to choose like between slow fast or burst or if it's just at random one of the three it seems to me from the description that you choose slow fast or burst i mean that would to me be a playable card i think if you didn't uh it would be an unplayable card and they probably just would have printed draw a spell so uh it's only left out focus is the only speed I feel pretty confident that you'll be able to choose because I don't know why they would have printed this and not just wrote draw a spell otherwise, especially at the mana cost. So to me, I I, I, I don't have any confirmation. I just logic dictates that you would get to choose. Yeah, I was looking to see if I could find uh, comments on the on the LOR 
Facebook page with that card reveal to see if I could get any particular yay or nay. I'm not seeing anything, so I don't want to speak incorrectly on it. But yeah, I agree with DBN. It would make sense that you get to choose. It's probably going to take some science. Is Let's be honest. It's going to be... You're going to need some science probably in order to figure this one out. You know, science. What I, you know what I wonder? I wonder if you are running, let's say you're running slow, fast, and burst speed spells in your deck or any combination of them, which is possible. But I wonder if you play this card and then it gives you the option of slow, fast, and burst. And if you click, for example, slow, and you don't have any more slow spells in your deck if it fizzles. Uh, that would I'm make sure it sense. Would. Yeah, yeah it would. I'm sure that it would. So keep track of your deck. Yeah, it's a neat little deck building thing. It also means that if you want to run a, like three copies of one slow, three copies of one fast, and three copies of one burst, and not any others, you can guarantee that at any point you can toolbox for one of those three spells, mm-hmm. which I think is is neat. From a, I like anything that allows you to do unique deck building. Uh, is it going to be worth it? Probably not, but it's still interesting. Yeah, I think it the might. enlightened half of this is irrelevant. Probably. I mean, six mana five six with elusive is not something to say like is pointless. I mean, my go-to thought was like, okay, you run a bunch of fast and burst spells, and then you only run like war mothers or um or feel the rush, so that like you know that you have like a one of of this in your deck, and you know that you can tutor for your win con um in one of those two slow spells. Because, you know, a lot of the other Frailyord Ionia control tools are all going to be burst or fast. So you could, like, you know, guarantee that you draw that one, you know, major, major slow spell. That was, like, my gut reaction to this card. And, it might, like, it might not be super good. But that was, like, eh, other than that, I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not too thrilled about it. Like, a six mana five six on turn 10 doesn't really matter to me. Sure. Like there's there's better things that you could be doing if you were trying to play elusives, right? Well, and you're not going to get this card in your hand and sit there and wait till turn 10 to play just so you get the elusive on it. Because by then, you're most likely looking at your board, your opponent's board, and you're like, there's a, there's a spell in my deck that would really be great in this situation, and you're going to try to find it. Yeah. Yeah, or just be able to tutor for it, I, I would think, right? Like, Yeah, if, if, you've, if you've built for consistency or you've built a kind of shovel it where it's only going to get one card. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. DBN, any other thoughts on that? I mean, if this can't tutor, it's total garbage, right? If it's just a random slow, faster burst spell, it just yeah. means you can't draw a focus spell with it, That it's trash, right? Yeah, which makes me wonder what focus spell were they worried about, and I don't feel like... If that's how it, it works. Yeah, yeah but there's saying. not even many focus spells that are... Like, focus spells are mostly, like, little cantrippy things. I mean, they don't draw you a card, but... Well, I don't know. Most you can't even main deck. Like, uh, Uh, I don't know. There's very few that you can main deck with the exception of like Scrying Sands. You've got Exhaust, Heavens Aligned, Imagine Possibilities, Time in a Bottle, uh, Payday, and that's it. So maybe Time in a Bottle, but that's his Ionia, so it's not going for now. They're, no, it it must be a coding thing, or I just can't see why they would do that. Gems are focused, but uh, yeah, you you have to it has to be in your deck though. Again, like true. Um, yeah. yeah, you have to be able to. Is draw there it. a is there a focus speed? Oh, maybe is there's a focus speed treasure that you would shuffle uh, into your deck? Uh, nope, they're all slow speed. No, nah, which actually so. now that makes me really excited to play treasures 
seeking with this to oh that's to interesting use, use this this giant sky whale to go get your treasures out of your deck yeah i'll just play lost riches into sky whale and then instantly sky have that in my whale. hand that's what it's sky. called now okay sky whale uh <laughs> okay yeah uh uh Good or, or gibbles do one of you want to take us uh onto these next two cards uh from shadow isles oh I'll take it all right so our next two cards as we move uh move up the list uh out of shadow isles the first one is a slow speed spell uh five cost and five mana cost called withering mist it's uh drain two from two enemies so essentially you would drain two from two separate enemies and heal four off of the drain so dealing four damage and essentially healing four damage all in one um spell so my first reaction with this card um i don't think i will be playing it i don't think it's that great um i mean healing for four is 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 nice um, but I feel like dealing two to two enemies at a slow speed for five, that's a lot of mana to do that on. Um, I don't know. I just don't think that's, that's easily counterable. I feel like to not actually kill the unit, which is probably the primary reason that you're playing this card is for some damage. Not unless you've already got like a keg on board or something like that. And you're playing, you're, you're playing this with keg. So it's dealing more and draining more. Um, that could be a reason you play this card, but outside of that, I don't really think this is great. That great of a card. Uh, Mark, what is your thought on withering mist? Can this target the same thing twice? Mm -mm. I two two enemies. So I would say no. Drain two from two enemies. Yeah, 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 that's true. And this can't target your enemy's nexus either, right? No. I don't believe so. No. Because no. it has to say the enemy nexus, I think. Because uh, True Thanks. Shot Barrage says deal three to an enemy or the enemy nexus. So yeah. in, unless they're, you know, unless their wording's inconsistent, which is a possibility. Well, and Timewinder uh, is pretty explicit, yeah, right? I, about this, about what no. you can target on, on, each, on each kind of shot of the spell, per se. So yeah, I would say it has to be two units. Maybe in an Ezreal Shadow Isles deck. Maybe if there's like an Ezreal, uh, like an Ezreal Viego deck or an Ezreal something deck, because then you can run this to heal you and get two targets off, and you can run Static Shock, which gets two targets off and draws you a card. This is one more mana, and it's slow, which is a lot worse, um, but it does do more damage, which is important, and it does heal you, which is important, although it doesn't draw. I don't think this card is good. Maybe it sees some niche play. I think any time that you can remove like two different things with one card and you can get a like a two for one and some healing, it's worth noting. Like it's it's worth paying attention to that because you know that is card advantage in a control deck. You know, you're you're trying to eliminate your opponent's resources, you're trying to stay alive. I think that I would probably rather have Withering Whale than this, yep. if I'm honest with you. Uh, almost every time is Withering Whale. So, I don't know. DBM, what do you think? Withering Mist. Is this trash tier? Trash tier. Trash tier. Okay. Well, uh, tell us about the next one. The next one's cool looking. Yes, yeah. the next one I like. Um, Invasive Hydrovine. It is a 7 mana 7-6 seven, uh, with Fearsome. Always a plus, although less relevant in the later stages. 
Uh, it says, when I'm summoned or round start, summon an encroaching mist. Um, so, okay, uh, I just want to, I mean, I'll, I'll kick it over to you guys because I'll keep it quick, but, you know, I have long complained about, um, you know, six plus mana costed cards that don't do anything when you play them. They either mm -hmm. want to, like, wait a turn to get delayed value uh, and I've complained about that because at those stages of the game, you know, you are, it's possible that you are staring down defeat. You need something that gets instant value. You need something that can immediately make an impact on the board, whether to defend you or to push tempo and, you know, cards that want to sit on the board and wait and wait and wait. Um, you know, unless that is your entire game plan, uh, they're usually just not good enough. And that's why we see, you know, so many six plus card uh, cost cards not see play uh this whether it ends up working with encroaching mist packages and viego or not it doesn't matter because i like that it just it always does something when it comes down and then it will continue to do things as long as it sticks around that's a departure from uh form for uh for the dev team um, so I, I like this, the direction it's going in, and I actually do think this could be a pretty solid card. I mean, it's very uh, rare that you see something that says round start, summon a free unit that grows. Sure. I mean, I think this is actually a pretty good card um, in the you know in the right uh, in the right build, and, and it'll buff up Viego too. So I yeah, I very much like Invasive Hydrovine. Um, it's making me reconsider my Viego thoughts, and instead I might be thinking about Viego dropping you know around turn seven or eight and and not even like holding him and not wanting to play him on turn five and playing a even slower paced uh deck so i mean i my mind doesn't change about viego i still, still think there's some very tangible weaknesses there don't get me wrong Sure. But um, this is, uh, and what did I say last week? I said, maybe if there's another card that has the, that summons these mists without him. And not only did we get another one, but we got a good one. Um, so even for the mana cost, I feel like it's appropriate. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a threat. So I'm, I'm excited by it. Yeah. I, I wasn't like blown away by this card at first. Um, but I think if you consider like what its implications are. So let's say you are going to play your Viego at five. Maybe you've played one of the missed guys before. So your mists are, uh, you know, a one ones before Viego maybe gets two off before he dies. They're now, you know, three threes or four fours. This comes down. This is summoning like a four, four or five, five, and you have to get rid of it. Otherwise it's just going to summon bigger and bigger and bigger ones every turn. And it's buffing. I think this makes your second Viego more scary, right? Like the first Viego gets removed. You play this later in the game, you play your second copy of Viego and he's just enormous. He's just like this big, chunky, enormous, impossible to get rid of threat because this has buffed it up because you're and, and your opponent has spent their removal on your first Viego. And then your opponent has spent their removal on your Hydra vine. And now you're like 10, nine, you know, second Viego hits the board or something. And you're like, ah, shoot. Like, what, what am I going to do against Viego too? Like the more <laughs> I look at these cards, the more I'm like, I don't even, I'm not even convinced of Viego one. I'm, I'm like more scared of Viego two. Uh, and that's not yeah. always the case. A lot of times, a lot of your resources go into, you know, protecting your first copy of the champion, but because Viego keeps getting buffed by these things, um, I, I think Viego 2 is scarier than Viego 1 in these decks, just sheerly from a pressure point of view, potentially. Not even a level-up point of view. 
Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness he doesn't level up like Thresh to you know a certain amount of damage <laughs> yeah. with an attack, as we would be screwed. Uh, how about you, uh, uh, Gibbles? Any any other thought on the? I mean, you don't play this without Viego for sure, but with Viego, you probably play at least a copy. I, I would think. I don't know. I actually don't know about that. I mean, I think Viego definitely is the best benefit from the Encroaching Shadows package itself, but I really like this card. Um, if you're running the Encroaching Shadows, the other thing I was thinking about as I was sitting here is. So the Encroaching Shadows, unlike some other things like Blade Dance, where you're limited on some of the, the tools that you can kind of combo with Encroaching Shadows because they are um, ephemeral or they like the difference with these with this ephemeral is that it goes to your bench. So then you, when you attack, you can do things with it. You can create copies. When I was looking at the wording of Encroaching Shadows, you can create copies of other Encroaching Shadows and copy them into your deck, like with Parade hmm. Electro Rig. And when oh, this and see, and 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 other and I know I keep going back to that card, but you you can do that with other. You could you could pull pull this off of somewhere yeah. and, and put extra copies back in your deck. And when the encroaching shadows get played, they buff all the copies everywhere, including the ones in your deck. Imagine if you're doing that every single turn and you drew a one cost eight nine or, or a one cost nine nine or something like that. They would they would the stats would always match, but. There's there's options to copy it. I think this card is really good too. So let's say you play this and maybe you trade and it gets hurt and then you Chronicler of Ruin this. It kills it, revives it, gets resummoned, summons another Encroaching Shadow. Yeah, and then on true. every turn, it's going to continue to do that. There's ways to proc this more frequently. Um, kind of like you try to do with the Undying instead of just having it going on offense and then hopefully dying and then it summing another undying like there's ways in shadow owls because they have those tools to revive to kill revive even some of the kindred tools so i think this card's really good i think it's going to be a solid finisher um it's kind of a time bomb card of either you've got to deal with me or it's just going to get out of hand um and if it comes down on defense you can't ignore it because you can't say oh he summoned a seven six with an eight eight or a or a six six uh ephemeral i'm just not going to attack this turn and his ephemeral will go away okay well then he's going to summon a seven seven next turn this is a solid card because it continues to pressure board presence it's an establishment of board presence that if the situation's right you don't even have to commit the encroaching shadow you don't even have to commit the uh invasive hydrovine to an attack to defend or even go on the offense you can let the snap or the uh encroaching miss do all the work and just continue to pressure this card and viego both love kindred's spell yeah that's Uh, what what is it demise kill something and then bring it back like i mean it's it's they try to target this it it is but it's pricey but it's possible to have banked spell mana where it's you could do it in the same turn if you really needed to or it's it's a protection tool I was thinking you could even ancient hourglass too but then you'd still only get the one proc because you wouldn't get the one at the end of the round start i don't think Mm-mm, mm-mm. but it's still another way to protect it and then you're still you're still going to get the value when it comes back a turn or two later like it's i think this is a pretty good card yeah yeah i agree i, I think agree. it is pretty good as well let's let's move on frightened ibex is the next one a one mana target common card one attack two health when i'm supported give me and my supporting ally plus one plus one this round i think it's one of the first the first support card that you know lends itself back to the one that it's supporting which is of course very interesting it's not grant uh it's only until the end of turn um but i think it's interesting specifically because 
a lot of times the sort of like the problem with the support mechanic is that they just block your supporter and not the thing that you supported. And then your supporter dies and it's not powerful. This buffs up your supporter a little bit um, in order to, you know, keep it alive. Uh, your young witch gets a little bit more powerful with this. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you, you know, I guess in Targon you have Tarek. So like, you know, Tarek Lulu or something, maybe something like that. Um, you could play together. Uh, interesting little card. I don't play much support synergy stuff. I uh, have not never really enjoyed it. Found it always to be kind of like, Meh, like, Meh, just like not fun to me. Um, so I'm not like, whoa, I can't wait to play this card. But I do think this is a new tool in the tool belt for support decks. And I think that decks always, you know, like the last couple of good tools away from being very viable. So something to keep your eye on Frightened Ibex for sure. DBM, what, any thought on Frightened Ibex? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's instantly an upgrade in uh, Targon Ionia decks to picks uh, because it, it actually has attack oh, yeah. and it gives itself attack. It's actually pretty good value if you consistently support it on the next turn. Um, but uh, I mean, I actually I don't play a lot of support either. I, I know Gibby's played some, but I don't think it's a particularly like complicated card. You know what I mean, like the, the, no, there's no. there's not so much layers mm -hmm. to it, so much as will this eventually be, you know, provide enough early game stability. Um, that's a question to be asked, but I I think it's all pretty clear what this does for for a support deck. But uh, Gabby, do you have anything in particular on it? So my thought with this is, if we're looking at it, if we're looking at this card to fix the early game and support, it doesn't because what happens okay let's say you hit the ideal curve you're you're going second you hit this card on one you play young witch on two let's look at the other ideal situation that you have now which is you play the other good support one drop which is flower child on one into young witch on two young witch sits at a one two with her new buff stat and then flower child is sitting at a four two or a three two um because you know, she gets plus two each time uh, or yeah she would get a plus three so she'd be a four a four two with quick attack well this is going to be a plus three two with quick attack and mm -hmm. or yeah so like it's it it doesn't necessarily fix i don't think the early game it gets one more defense which is nice um if you really just need that thing to survive but i just don't think it doesn't scale as well because it's just going to revert back since it's the turn only where flower child's buff stays. Grant, yeah. It stays. And because it's got that quick attack, ideally from young witch or something like that, you're it's most likely to survive that turn. And it just poses a bigger threat. I think you still run this and, and flower child in a support deck. You'd want enough early game that you want to establish a board. That's really important to these support decks is to be able to play on curve to be able to, get out a decent early game and put something out on board quickly. Um, so that way, whatever they put you, they have to deal with it or they can, they have to be able to respond to it carefully before things get out of hand. I think this card might make the cut in a support deck with like Tarek and Lulu, which is the version that I run um, replacing kind of some of the, the lesser one drops, like Ian said, like picks um or maybe a dancing droplet now or something along those lines but it's not better than flower child to me 
Interesting. Why don't you take us to P and Z there, Gibbles, and uh, and tell us about this new card, which is probably a lot more interesting than the previous one. I'm really excited about this card. Um, it's a it's it's a tricky card. Um, defective swap bot. It's a four cost P and Z card uh, that says play swap my stats with another unit. It's a rare, and its stats are four attack, three defense. So you play this card, and it you will swap either on one of your own allies. Um, stats or you swap it with the stats of another unit which can be an opponent's uh, unit as well and that because it just says unit it can be a champion it can be a follower of any sort it can be a created card they put down a 9-9 encroaching mist and you switch it for that it can be anything as long as it's a unit Um, this card is tricky it's a catch you off guard kind of card it to me this is will play similar it even has the I think the same mana cost um it plays similar to shady character where mm-hmm. it probably just because of the nature of it, it's dependent not unless you're intentionally trying to change it with something on your own board and abuse abuse one of your own allies s- switching stats maybe something that's not going to stick around for very long to me this card is because it's not very consistent, I'm not sure how much play it will see in constructed decks. I think it's a really fun card, and I wanted I want to play it. I want to try it, but I don't know how many how much other people will play it. DBN, do you have and are you going to try this card? Do you have an inkling on what you think this card will do? Well, Swapbot is odd um, because. So the issue with shady characters, well, shady character high rolls way harder, but it's so much easier to mess with, right? Um, and it's it's way more likely that somebody will mess with it, right? Because swapping stats is very different from creating an exact copy, and it's also vulnerable to culling strike, which is one of the most like one of the strongest pieces of removal. Maybe a little weaker now that like easy karma is not quite in the meta, but Swain is back. And so we might see it return as like, you know, the champion killer, you know, Mark and I actually were talking about calling strike uh, in his stream earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great card. So um, this can't be calling striked. Um, but if for some reason the uh, swap bot skill gets like canceled, it's still got stats. So the low roll is way less, you know, um it is a it is will never transcend being a tech card but i think that's okay you know the temptation for somebody to be like man i'm you know the most popular thing in the meta is like you know lots of you know units with huge stat blocks okay well maybe this is gets teched in somewhere maybe this gets you know slapped down and you can disrupt that i mean thralls doesn't have an answer for a swap bot like they just don't is this yeah. a thralls uh you know meta breaker i hate that term by the way but is it might be if you were reliably running into thralls enough so um yeah uh, i think it's interesting i i i don't think it's good but i also don't think it has to be good like i don't think it i, I think that's okay it's not because i don't think it's terrible either mm-hmm. So Here, here's what's really interesting. The faction that this is in, because what does PNZ struggle to deal with? Anything it needs to remove that has a lot of health. 
if it doesn't have a thermogenic beam in hand, it cannot remove stuff because your max damage is like three. So here's the beautiful thing about this thing. Your opponent drops its Sejuani. Well, you become a 5-6 and your opponent Sejuani becomes a 4-3 and you work towards leveling up your uh, your Ezreal with this because it's a skill that's targeting something. So this does work towards easy, easy level up, which is an important thing to remember. Um, if you get lucky um, and your opponent tries to do something, you can literally frostbite this if you're playing it with uh, easy and Teemo. Uh, frostbite your own thing. And then it gives it its stats, which should give it zero attack and three health and then swap the stats to you, um, theoretically. Uh, I think that there is, I think this is a one of in an easy deck that is having a hard time removing stuff. I actually think this thing is better as like a five, two or something. I wish it had two health because it would be easier for easy to remove the thing that you're swapping stats with. Um, there are a lot of big boys in the meta right now. A lot of things with big rear ends too. And this just says like, okay, if you want to overwhelm me with big stuff, uh, I'll take your big stuff stat and, and be able to block with this and keep it alive. Um, I think that's a good swing for a lot of times when easy decks are feeling, you know, too pressured by something with four five, six health. Um, this card can, can swap it. I think it's just, it's an it's an answer to a gap that easy Draven, easy Teemo, easy Karma has, um, which is often the inability to deal with something with more than three health in an effective or an efficient way. And this allows you to deal deal with that as and I like I said, I don't think a lot, but a one of I think I would run in my in my decks because just allows me to allows me to deal with something with a big butt. And uh, that, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I think a lot of times you would spend four mana. Um, to be able to get a good solid blocker and be able to eliminate, uh, you know, or, or virtually eliminate the threat of a of a big bulky card um, your opponent has. I mean, even into you know, like feel the rush. I mean, imagine this into feel the mm. rush. Okay, you take their trundle and make it a four, or take their you know trindamir and make it a four three, and you have a ten ten of this, and now can block their trundle effectively. Um, I mean, that's that's a pretty four, pretty good four mana answer to feel the rush. Um, I think there's a lot of uses to this and the fact that it also will trigger, not trigger Ezreal's leveled up form, but begin to level up Ezreal is, it, I think, important as well. So I, I like this card. I, I think there's room for this in the meta. I think there's room for it. DBN, you want to take us into Sharimo, my friend? Absolutely. Uh, oh, gosh. Well, maybe not because there's a lot. <laughs> uh, you want to take us into uh, Valkuron Vagabond, which we yes. haven't talked about yet? Well, no, because that doesn't no. make logical sense uh, to do before we talk about. Uh, oh yeah, the, the big, new, the new, the new guy on the block. Oh, you know? oh yeah, the new guy. Yeah. yeah. Do you want me to go over all of that then? And then, yes, uh, please. Oh my uh, gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna, so I'm much. gonna, I'm gonna pull my uh, get out of jail free card here and let you, you do the introductions. <laughs> okay, so let's go through it. Action. Is that how you pronounce it? Action. Is that sound That's right? How I'm I've sure it's been wrong. saying it. Okay, I've been calling it Oxon, but I could be wrong. It has an H. I know, but it's silent. Action. It's a silent H. Uh, we're going to call it Action. So Action is a two mana 2 2 champion for Sharima as uh, quick attack. And it says, when I'm summoned or strike, summon a Warlord's Palace or advance it one round if it's already in play. So you're going to get a landmark. Warlord's Palace is going to be a one mana. Uh, countdown eight uh, to create a relic of power in hand 
and when you target allies, advance me one. So just for the record, Warlord's Palace will advance. If you summon an action, if he strikes, or if you target an ally, any of those things will advance this thing one. So the countdown eight isn't outrageous. Uh, level up, you've completed the countdown on Warlord's Palace. When I level up, summon a Warlord's Horde. His leveled up form is a two mana, three, three with quick attack that says when I'm summoned to level up or strike, summon a Warlord's Horde or advance it one round. So the important thing is you get the Warlord's Horde, you can advance it and then summon another one if you get to keep striking or summoning these guys. Warlord's Horde is in a one mana countdown eight, create a Sentinel's Horde in hand. Wow, a lot of things to keep in hand. Uh, Sentinel's Horde in hand. When you target allies, advance me one. So very similar uh, in both the Warlord's Palace, the Warlord's Horde, you're going to be advancing them, trying to take their countdowns down. Once you get down the Warlord's Palace and get the Relic of Power, you're going to say, play, pick one. It's a, it's a slow, or no, I'm sorry, it's a, a focus, zero mana focus spell um, that is fleeting. That says, pick one, predict, then draw one. So, okay, you know, zero mana time trick, but you had to do countdown eight to get to it. Summon a Sandstone Charger. So, uh, you know, a zero mana uh, five, two at focus speed with ephemeral or grant all allies plus one plus zero, which of course is going to permanently buff your allies on board at focus speed for zero mana. Pretty good. But what's even better is warlords horde because warlords horde says, uh, I'm sorry. Warlords Horde gives you a sentinels horde, which reads it's a, a fleeting focus zero cost spell that says cast an absolvers resurrection, a font of power or a shield of the sentinels. Shield of the Sentinels is a focus, zero mana. Grant all your champions everywhere. Spell shield and plus two, plus two. So all your champs, not all your creatures, all your champs get spell shield plus two, plus two. The uh, Absolver's Resurrection is grant all enemies vulnerable and create in hand a zero cost copy, copy of the strongest ally that died this game. So any ally that was the strongest that died this game, you're going to get zero cost copy and give all the enemies vulnerable. Focus speed zero. And last one, focus speed zero cost. Draw two, your cards cost one less this round. So, you know, zero mana, draw two. Wow, that's an awful lot. So you basically, you play him, you uh, get the Warlord's Palace. You try to level up the Warlord's Palace for the Relic of Power, which is a smaller bonus. Once you level him up, you get a Warlord's Horde. You try to count down Warlord's Horde to get the bigger bonus, all the while having, you know, a two mana, three, three, or two mana, two, two with first strike. Um, guys, there's so much going on with this card. I mean, obviously, if you can legitimately level him up and count down Warlord's Horde, you can give all your champions plus two, plus two, and spell shield. Like, that's pretty sticking strong. Draw two cards, make them cost all your cards, cost one less. Pretty good. But there's a lot of work involved in getting there. And I'll be honest, I like I just don't even know 100% what to think. Like, I'm not even sure what to think think about this champion there's like so much going on dbn i'm sure you have a few thoughts so i'll kick it to you first what are your thoughts about akshan and in this whole warlords you know palace horde package yes uh well completely outside of the card it seems to me that what i what's neat about this guy is he seems to be telling a story oh as yes. he plays he sneaks into the palace where the warlord is 
And as he goes through, him and his cohorts uh, do different things to sneak around and pull off their amazing heist. And then once they get into the treasure room, they have to figure out how to uh, break into the, the safe, the vault, in order to get the hoard. So basically, Akshan is Danny Ocean, and <laughs> an Akshan deck is a, a heist deck. Yes, which is super cool. The coolest. The absolute Very. coolest. Uh, what a so theme. even just from that, uh, Ocean's Eleven is a top five movie for me. Uh, I love that movie so much, and so I absolutely am excited to play uh, Akshan and do some heisting. Um, the thing is, um, I really like this this champion because Countdown, obviously, within Shreema, has ways to accelerate massively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is finally a good enough reason to do that um, in conjunction with maybe some other landmarks, of course, too. But what's interesting here is that, like, um, he doesn't have to see the the palace uh, countdown. So if you get Mm-mm. your first copy no, of down on, on two or three, and you count down your palace, and he died two turns before, the copy that's in your hand that you draw later in the game will be leveled, and you can drop that guy. And my goodness, is the uh, the rewards for breaking into the the warlord's horde. Uh, they're pretty good. The shield, the resurrection, the font, they're all juicy. Now, are they juicy enough? I don't know. But I think that Akshan, to me, feels like a supplemental champion. He's not your true win con. But I am loving the possibility of an Akshan Talia deck that is cloning How did I know you were going there? and palaces as they're almost done. Um, and then you have you always have the Talia win con, always because she's really strong now. But then you also have the win con off of your uh, your hordes as you as you develop them. So you have two champions that both synergize really well and also um, second copies, second and third copies of both of these champions feel good. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm really excited to, to mess around with Akshan and Talia. I think you could play like maybe um, you could maybe play like Akshan uh, and uh, well, probably not Malphite, but with some of the uh, Targon, like you could play, you definitely probably play Chip in this and you can play like some really cool stuff there with Targon. Um, yeah, I just it's I think it's a, a very, very cool champion. The body is weak. He's going to get killed a lot. But he has built-in ways, and that's what I love about the, you know, he, when he strikes, the horde gets discounted. When you target allies, the horde gets discounted. So you got to mm-hmm. be, you know, if you 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 can go one of two ways. You don't have to run countdown support. You can run a lot of board-based buffs. And think about this as like, hey, I'm going to put a lot of units on board and target them with buffs, and that's going to accelerate these hordes. And then you're thinking of Akshan as kind of like a Diana, where, like, Diana doesn't need to... Th- like it's great if Diana sticks around, but if Diana dies, it doesn't matter. You're, you know, you're using that to, you know, uh, push forward an aggressive strategy where like you have this quick attack unit, um, and it just draws extra attention, and you play buffs that support that. So yeah, I, I think this is just a really cool card. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. It's so hard with champions to tell, 
Um, but I've j I'm really impressed with the card's design, and even though it's very, I just I just talked about this a week or two ago. It's very text heavy. There's a lot of text on oh, this. There's a lot of text it's, on this. It's, it's, it's a Felios 2.0, but yeah. but but I like this. I'm so much more interested in this than I was in a Felios. So even though they're they're similar to me, they they just they feel like they're going to do so much different. I I love that storytelling angle as the card plays out. Yeah, uh, I have a couple more thoughts on it, Gibby, but uh, give me your thoughts on it. We talked about making champions that are flexible. Here you go. It's a, it's a flexible champion. I mean, targeting things. I said this last, last episode about when we had our, our mini discussion about why Shadow Isles feels so cohesive as a faction, as a region, compared to some other things. I think targeting your own allies with buff spells is be, there's so many of them in every faction, every region, that either the possibilities to me with this card are endless, and they naturally, the cards that you need, that you're main decking, that you're putting in your deck, or creating that matter through other things you're putting in your deck, are per, are probably going to be other buffs that protect Akshan or certain things staying alive. Like mm -hmm. this, this is a really good. Um, I also, it's a really good faction. I mean, Soothsayer will probably get played with Justice to protect the Warlord's palace and horde and all that good stuff, especially if you get multiple out because they're cheap. It's a possibility that you get multiple out. Um, it's it, you, there. There's protection for the for the landmarks. There is buff everywhere. I mean, you look at playing this with with Riven. You look at playing this with Lee Sin with all of the gems. Um, there's a lot of different places to send this. You, the amount of different cards that you have the option to play, you talked about with, with, with Targon, you could use this as a pretty effective way to possibly level up Zoe, uh, along with all of them for invoke tools, because you're playing a lot of different named cards. There's a lot of different possibilities here for people to experiment and to see if they can get him going. Um, I just, I just, I think it's fun. I, we don't know how how good it's going to be, but I definitely love the. As you guys already mentioned, the storytelling on this is really, really cool. Uh, it's complicated, but people will get used to the play patterns. It'll be confusing at first, and then people, it'll just be another thing that people understand. It's no, it won't be as big of a deal as people will make it out to be. So my uh, my gut reaction was like, okay, because I, I, I didn't look so much at like, you know, countdown synergy, but I mean, you know, getting uh, the Warlord's Horde to trigger twice off of uh, off its countdown. I mean, there is that spell. That's pretty stinking good for this. Um, that would that would work. I mean, can you imagine getting, you know, two of these uh, cards would be pretty nice. Um, the other thing, but I just thought like, okay, yeah, both like Riven, because I've been playing Riven with Blade Fragments uh, is very good with this. Um, and so is, uh, you know, Targon with gems uh, and, you know, getting, you know, Mentor of the Stones and stuff on the board, uh, you know, playing this guy and then playing Mentors of the Stones and making him a 4-4 four -four, um, and getting three gems uh, and, you know, being able to boost his attack and stuff because he's got the quick attack seems pretty good to me as well. There's probably some stuff in there that I'm not thinking of, uh, but I like that there are two different ways that you could go about leveling this up. Um, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you could go the way that, like, makes him strike, which we'll talk about in a moment, is grappling hook. You could go the direction that makes him strike stuff, too, and that could help you a little bit, maybe even running with 
you know, like the pike card, um, you know, bone skewer, uh, because you could strike with him and put him on top of your deck and then, you know, play him later and also count this down even more. Um, but there's, there's stuff there. Uh, so I think that there's, there's room to explore. Um, it's interesting. My biggest question is just like, is the payoff significant enough? That's the, that's the big question. Like you're doing a lot of work to get there. It's great if you can get the Warlord's Horde to go off, but are any of these cards from Warlord's Horde going to definitively win you the game, or is it going to give you a one-turn advantage? And if your opponent can live through that one-turn advantage, you know, maybe, I mean, I think there'll be a clear best of these three that you would typically pick, um, but the other two will be for, you know, niche cases when you need to remove something or you've run out of cards. Um, or, you know, you, I don't know, probably when you don't have anything else to do, you're going to give your champion spell shield plus two plus two. It's interesting. It's an interesting card. Uh, his card that goes with him is the grappling hook or Akshan's grappling hook. Three mana slow spell, an ally that has been targeted this round strikes an enemy. So, you know, you throw on a gem onto, on your, your Akshan or something else, and then play this strikes an enemy without being struck back. Um, uh, you know, one of the only cards at this mana spot that does that, which is interesting, which maybe opens up some room for some Targon, uh, not Targon, I'm sorry, Demacia stuff here. Um, and then I'm just going to hit the Absolver as well, because I think that that's an interesting card. And then we can talk about, you know, both Grappling Hook and Absolver. Absolver is a two mana burst spell that's common that reads, give an ally plus one or plus two plus one this round. So, uh, you know, the same as what you would have gotten off of the, uh, original what is that card what is the the targon card that was busted and now is nerfed oh the night the nightfall card yeah oh goodness oh pale cascade pale, pale cascade, cascade yeah um plus two plus one if a champion is leveled up you create an absolver's return in hand which is a two mana burst spell um fleeting which is given ally overwhelming plus two plus one this round so you know theoretically if you've leveled a champion is a four mana plus four plus two overwhelm uh, DBN, let me kick it back to you and ask you again, what do you think about Grappling Hook and Absolver and Absolver's Return? Um, Just all of them? <laughs> well, just like that, that, I mean, this this is all on the same page. So sure, okay. Give right. me some yeah, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You know, is Grappling Hook a good pair with Action? Is it a card that you're going to um, main deck? And then tell me what you think about Absolver and Absolver's Return. Uh, grappling Hook's neat. Um, I don't think it's... Uh, I think it's great in Shurima, and I think Absolver is great in Shurima. I think I mentioned this to Gibby when it first came out, um, and it's the the issue is Shurima doesn't have a lot of interaction. So any sort of like semi affordable interaction like Grappling Hook um, is going to be a consideration uh, when you're building decks between Shurima and another faction that lacks interaction. So um, you know, obviously. Obviously, if you have Demacia in it, you don't need Grappling Hook, right? Mm. But if you're playing with something like uh, Freljord, which notoriously uh, doesn't really have ways to kill the enemy stuff, they only do that through board-based trades or, you know, uh, AoE clears, which also hurts you. And with Akshan's defense, it's not likely you're going to be running... Uh, uh, Avalanche. Avalanche. Mm. Um, but not that this is relegated to, to Akshan, even though it's his Grappling Hook. Uh, you could totally play this with, um, you know, one of your other units like, uh, I don't know, Nasus or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. You can you can play this with other things, and that's what's cool about it. You could go to Sharima and play this, 
and, you know, run something completely different that wants to strike Garen or Pike or whatever. Um, so so that that's really cool. The only issue with grappling hook is that it requires you to have basically played another card. Mm-hmm. Um, now. It actually gets turned on by your opponent targeting your thing, too, which is interesting. And I'm what I'm wondering is how that uh, is. Well, no, because it's a slow spell. If they target your thing and then it lives at the end of whatever that exchange is, then this is turned on and you didn't have to pay mana for a second card uh, to turn on the grappling hook. That's the problem. Like a good heist movie, it requires preparation. See? Mm. The Absolver, on the other hand, I'm really excited for. And uh, and it's because Sharima has almost no buffs. Like they have, they have almost no uh, buffs. They have a lot of uh, enemy attack reduction, which is great and, and different and flexible. Just Shapestone and Ruthless Predator, right? Yeah, it's literally two cards. Shapestone and Ruthless Predator, um, one of which requires setup to be good. Right requires you to play landmarks. Absolver not only uh, gives you an instant, you know, plus two, plus one, which is a good distribution for two mana burst. But if you do, if you've leveled a champion, an extra spell that also gives overwhelm and plus two, plus one as an upside, it's not, you know, it's not dependent on you leveling a champion to get the initial buff. It just gives you icing if you have. I love it. I really love the Absolver. I think we're going to see it. Now, there's going to be a lot of decks that will run Shapestone over Absolver every time. A lot of them. But that doesn't take away from what the Absolver offers, potentially in addition to Shapestone, um, or even just as a uh, way to play Shurima without being forced to play Landmarks to get a buff. So I, I really love both of these cards and... and um, I was happy to see them uh, because it, it rounds out a, a, you know, they're not, they're not better than things in other factions. Let's be clear, but they round out a weakness that Sharima has, uh, which kind of limits their ability to build into other factions, uh, which I think is a good thing to see that uh, mitigated. You know, something that I'm thinking about here, which I didn't, and, and this is just where my mind is right now too, but mm-hmm. it is, it's worth noting that anytime you can burst, give something overwhelm, it is Open sometimes spot. abusable, um, you know, and specifically the place where it's been abused most often is in Lee Sin, right? That's where, you know, if you can burst, give something overwhelm, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, there are other places, but a lot of stuff has built in overwhelm. In this case, like, I don't know that you ever play Lee Sin with, with Sharima, but if you did, um, you know, it, you're probably going to have Lee in leveled up when you play Absolver, and and then you know you're going to get the you, plus four, plus two, and Overwhelm, plus giving you Challenger and Barrier for four mm-hmm. mana on your leveled up Lee in is pretty stinking potent. Uh, I'm not going to lie, like that is pretty nasty. I don't know if Sharima will be the best match for that type of deck, but that's just kind of where my brain is right now. Cause that's, that's what I've been Talia, playing. Talia also wants overwhelm. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Talia loves overwhelm. I, and I think, loves this card. I think yeah. 100, I think 100%. I'm going out on a, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I think 100%, I think this Akshan Lee Sin deck will be the most popular or be, will be the best version um, to, to when the, when, it, when the dust settles, I think that'll be just for the exact reason that you just stated. 
is that it a lot of his targets and buffs that already synergize with the Akshan package already will work beautifully with what um, Lee Sin's able to do in some of the the buffs and targets now that Ionia has. Ionia's now got a cheap way with twin disciples, twin disciplines. I would say that twin disciplines to be able to help keep uh, Akshan alive early on in the game. If you can find that card along with Syncopation, I think they've got the the recipe in order to help keep him alive. Um, or just get Lee Sin buffed up quickly and then slap this on it. You can't do anything about it, or it's very hard to do something about it. Um, I Going back to the other card, though, my thought with Akshan's grappling hook, um, when you get Akshan's grappling hook, is if you were able to get this by the time that you brought like Renekton down or something like that, there is the possibility of playing uh, the two-cost uh, buff spell that Sharima has, one of the two that we were talking about, Ruthless Predator, you could play Renekton, buff him uh, by two, and, and give something vulnerable, attack, hit for six, he comes home because you just targeted him with Ruthless Predator, play this as a slow-speed spell at post-combat, he hits for another six, he's leveled. You could level Renekton on, on turn five. Uh, that's, that's some true. setup for sure requires a couple pieces in hand but does Renekton level it. up by does Renekton level up by damage dealt or damage dealt the things he's challenged it's no, just, it's damage, just dealt. damage dealt that's okay. how okay. I was able to win uh, that turn that I mentioned earlier that turn 4 win was because I double shaped stone him uh, into mm. a list so yeah he, okay is yeah, grappling I mean, is grappling hook uh main deckable? Yeah. Yes. This is yes. Akshan's grappling hook, so you can yeah. Yeah, I think grappling hook is I'd play it. I think I'll play it. Oh it's, try an, it it's an interesting least. combo with Shapestone. Yeah. Why not? Uh we have three cards left to wrap up. Uh they're all three Shariman cards. DBN, do you want to tell us about the Vagabond now that we've uh talked through Akshan and all of his associated cards? For sure. So the Vecaron Vagabond says when i'm summoned summon a warlord's palace or advance it two rounds three mana three three uh no keywords so she's uh i mean obviously uh, obviously uh advancing it two rounds kind of like the the two the clockling thing um but what i love about this is that it gives you redundancy for auction in a deck where you don't really need Akshan specifically because the thing is, is that Akshan will level in your hand if you hit a palace and level mm -hmm. it. if you're playing mm -hmm. enough things that are level that can accelerate uh countdowns like i was talking about earlier potentially with like a talia build like this gives you consistency within uh Akshan and itself as a way to get warlord's palace but then also you know uh if you've already hit Akshan or another vagabond it's not useless so Love this. Um, and it's not going to, it's going to look for Warlord's Palace first before summoning another one, which is the issue with Thralls is that you're constantly, you know, struggling with, you know, frozen Thralls uh, clogging your own board, which is a huge headache. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really like that this, uh, this card is, is in there. I, I think it's uh, going to be a, a, a nice centerpiece of the deck. You talk about Riot learning their lessons or there's a learning curve in terms of, building these cards when you were when you were uh mentioning the the late drops and how they're structuring them so that way they get initial value upon coming down 
you bring up a good point with frozen thralls. It almost appears that the Akshan package itself, the way that they've structured it, is a learning curve of thralls that they want you to be able to concentrate your efforts. Just a simple wording change is the way that the card focuses itself and how it kind of goes through just a simple two-step progression on it goes through a two, simple two-step progression on the the card's logic and that helps you just create consistency and forward your your game plan mm-hmm. versus just it being cloggy and clunky and having to turbo otherwise yeah, yeah turbo warlord's palace right. um yeah, yeah I, I think this card is, is great yeah because i you don't have to have auction out and i think that is i don't think auction maybe doesn't maybe auction doesn't want to be out on two Maybe you see him in your hand at two and you mulligan him away. Hmm. If you see this card on three, you might, you might not want it out yet. I think I want him on two. But anyway, tell us about the, the safe cracker. Tell us about the safe cracker, uh, Gibbles. So the safe cracker, the Vakaron safe cracker on four. Um, so it's a four cost, four, four uh, rare that says play, give an ally plus two plus O to give an enemy negative two zero this round. So you give some, you give an ally plus two attack to give an enemy negative two attack. So you're setting up either defense to try to um, mitigate not taking damage or you're setting up an attack where you want them to try and trade, but they're going to have to lose units. This is an interesting card. Sure, it's interesting. It's, it's close flexible. to uh, it's close to being um, uh, troll chant, um, but it's not troll chant. Uh, keeping in mind, troll chant can't boost attack; it just increases your defense and lowers your opponent's attack. Whereas this increases your attack and lowers your opponent's attack. Does this, so this card require you to have an ally? Yeah. Yes. So, okay, so there's there's your downside is that you have to have an ally. It most of the time you do, fair, but you have to have an ally out in order in order this in order to get the cards text off. Otherwise, it's just a four four. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I don't Maybe, know. And you had some interesting thoughts on this, didn't you? Because I saw you posting about it in, in, yeah, uh, I think in it's Discord. Great. I think it's really good. The, the thing is, is that like first off, Akshan wants you to target your guys. We, we established this, um, so this counts for that. Um, the Warlord's Palace will advance when you play this. Um, you know, but the other thing is that, again, like I said, Shreema doesn't have a lot of, uh, uh, doesn't have a lot of attack buffs, and they don't have, and actually, more than that, they don't really have any defense buffs. They just have ways to reduce attack. Um, so not only does this card, you know, give you kind of an exhaust paired with a, I don't know, relentless pursuit or something like that, minus the vulnerable stuff. Like I don't know, it's a four, it's a four point swing that's going to, but unlike Troll Chant where it's all dedicated defense, it helps you clear something while stopping something from trading with you. Now, granted, the beauty of Troll Chant is it's at burst speed, and this isn't, but you do get a, a four, a four four, and a temporary four point stat swing. I mean that's that's pretty good value. Um, not to mention the types of combos you can get with this and like um, culling strike and and things like that. 
Well, there's so many um, vulnerable options too in uh yeah, they in have Shirema plenty of ways to you grant can, vulnerable. You know, do that. Something already has vulnerable, you do yep. this and just get a free trade too. It's really strong. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Uh I, I, I think this is a good card. Is it a great card? Remains to be seen. Uh it you know, it's uh it's no um it comes merciless down the hunter. turn after Ruth. It comes. It comes down the turn after Merciless Hunter, though, which That's is true. Though. Freaking strong. It's yeah, and strong. I, I mean, I yeah. The safe cracker is good, uh, and I I think uh, the only thing that's gonna you know potentially limit it is the fact that you've got some great champions uh, at four, um, which are going to be kind of competing for a slot. But I think this is. I bet this would see more play. This will see more play. Uh, in non-Sharima-focused decks. Decks that pop over to Sharima uh, for a couple things and decide they want to enhance their four-drop slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a good tool for um, for countering fearsome decks as well mm-hmm. it, because you can give something that doesn't have that attack, give it plus two, and then also whatever their most dangerous, fearsome opponent is you give that negative two attack and now they don't want to swing with it but you can also trade with anything else that they've got on board which tend to be aggressive decks mm-hmm. um this also is a really good tool if you are if you are suspicious based on their mana count that you see a frail your deck and you think a um a big board wipe with their was it say their six cost spell or if i have a five attack ally kill everything with four four less attack if you see that coming, you can give this negative. You can give their opponent negative two attack, and hopefully stop that stop that spell before they play it. At least for the time being, this does have some implications with other established um, archetypes out there too. So it's mm-hmm. it's not only a tool for your deck, but it messes with some very established things as well. Yeah, it does. Last card that we're going to be talking about today, and it's the last one that you will see before the release of the cards themselves. Is the bruiser? Wait, how do you pronounce this first word again? You you want to help me out again? The Vakaron, 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 bruiser. Five okay. mana, five five Vakarin. strike, strike. Create a lucky find in hand. Uh, of course, this is going to help you level up your stuff because you're going to target your own things uh, with the lucky finds. I don't find this card particularly impressive. Five mana, five fives that don't do anything when they hit the board are you know. We're really getting to the point where you have to do something on turn four or five, the turn you hit the board, or you got to be a champion in order to find a place in a deck, uh, or you really got to like build on the synergy that your deck is using. And this does not do that for me. So my initial, my gut reaction to this was like, this is probably going to be a boring five, five. I mean, even sometimes like the daylight spear has a hard time making it in decks, you know, like this, I don't know, like, uh, you might get one lucky find off of it on one strike, maybe more than one, probably not more than one. You still have to play those lucky finds. Um, They're good, don't get me wrong, but maybe not good enough for me. Yeah, the Bruiser's like a, yeah, it's like a meh. I'm not like, I'm not like, you know, losing it over it. Um, it's, It's cool. I understand what they're doing with it, but. You'll never see me play this card over, um, the Bakai attack techie guy, the, the, the or the rampaging Bakai. You'll never see me play this over rampaging Bakai, and you'll never see me play this over Ruin Runner at that five slot. Yeah, even at the four slot, there's things I'd rather play over this and just yeah. save a mana and a couple points of defense. I'd rather play the Sand Spinner. I'd rather play the uh, Profiteer, um, which gets you a lucky find, but like and you summoned. Know, 
the one on summon for you yeah know, less cost i think it's a five or five three five three it's got a, got a good attack yeah and, and, and really in reputation all that matters is you have five attack it doesn't matter what your defense is not really uh not when you have sivir uh, eventually going to give everything quick attack so like yeah i, I it's not a good card um Shoot. I, I actually I, I take you know it's i think it's actually a pretty good um expedition card um creating value ev- any you know creating value is always good uh, in expedition, mm-hmm. I think this is a good expedition card. Past that, yeah, in constructed, probably not. Yeah, shoot, you agreed. might even play the preservationist over this. the The five cost four four that advances your allied landmark three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If right. you've got the warlord's palace out, or you've got the warlord's horde, I mean, if you really need to get that horde going, you might even just play that. Yeah, that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. Um, okay, so my question's got to be for you guys. Um, you know, as we close out this segment, what are you going? I mean, you, you're going to choose between Sentinels of Light and Ruination Line for the event pass coming out here in a couple of days. Are you a Sentinels of Light person or a Ruination person? I hate this choice. I hate it because I love spoopy stuff and I love the I love Shadow Isles as a faction. I love the dark stuff. I love what they what the whole feel and mantra is of that region. However, I think I got a sneak preview from somebody in Discord like everything else that I've gotten so far where I think I understand. I have a little bit of a sneak preview about what champions are going to be getting skins. Yeah. For the Sentinels of Light and then for the Ruination. And I like the Sentinels of Light champions better. So I'm leaning towards the that. Skins will be part of the uh cosmetics. I feel like they wouldn't do that. So what they've like been it's what they've things. we've been told is that depending on what line you pick, that's the, what you'll have the first option to get skin-wise. And you if you don't complete the entire track, you can't go to the other track. Wait, 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 wait. But you get skins off of it or just cosmetics? I don't know because they because they put Zed's skin in the in the track last time, didn't they? No, no, they put a prismatic Zed in the. Oh, it was pass. prismatic. Eh, maybe they will. I don't know. Well, if there's a prismatic that'll probably even, even prismatics would still would still sway me. Yeah, the last two events you've got been able to get Zed and Azir in the event pass, so I don't. Yeah, as prismatics, I don't anticipate them changing. That was a pretty big motivator. I mean. Those are the first two event passes I completed, so they worked. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, because uh-huh, you really wanted to get that prismatic. But if they prismatic. put a level up in that track, that will that will be like a, a game changer. Yeah, if they put a skin in there, that'll that'll for sure. Uh, yeah. So you say you think you're gonna go Sentinels? I think I'm gonna go Sentinels. Interesting. Which one are you going, DBN? Uh, I actually don't really care for either. Uh, thematically. Um, because I I just it's gonna come down to what the cosmetics are. You know, Viego's Viego's to emo, and the Sentinels of Light are to Demacia. Um, oh so my God. he hates Demacia. I really so do much. though. Demacia's Demacia's theming is just so bland to me. It's like I don't need more knights. I His hit. DVN's hipster pessimism. Oh my god, it's not. It's just like uh Viego's just so so emo that like it, it's a turn off. And then he's pretty you know, he's, he's a so hopeless emo. romantic. Cut him no. some slack. Uh no, I, I don't know. We'll see. 
We'll see what the um, we'll see what the cosmetics are, and then I'll choose. And then how I'll would you feel in. if Diego was wearing armor instead of half a shirt? Uh, better about it. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you, but th- but then, but to be completely honest, then he's too close to Arthas, which has almost the same story. So it's like, yeah, you know, from from WoW. So it's like, eh, um, yeah, Diego is just kind of, I don't know, kind of lame. Uh, th- th- not uh, card wise, but theme wise, just not not doing mm-hmm. it for me. But that's okay. Akshan is really where where I'm at. So maybe it'll be maybe it'll be Sentinels because I like Akshan. But I feel like if I'm understanding this, Akshan's not actually part of the Sentinels. Looks like he's robbing the Sentinels. Oh, is he? I mean, he might be. The, the I don't know if the Sentinels have a the warlord. Sentinels horde. The Sentinels horde is what the reward is. Oh yeah, it makes you're sense. stealing from the Sentinels. I think is what's happening. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, which is funny if, like, in the middle of all this massive conflict, this one dude's like, "Yo, let's pull off a heist against the good guys," <laughs> and then you really want to be him. Um... Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, like I said, it's not that I'm not excited about this event. I totally am. I just don't know about which one I'm going to side for, and because I like thematically, none of them speak to me. It just comes down to the to the rewards. Sure. I I think the one that speaks to me is ruination. Um, But I, I, you know, just to me, like it, that's the one that speaks to me is the ruination. I, because I love the theme of it. Like I, I liked it from the beginning. I thought it was really cool. I'm even looking at like, you know, what the, we had like an image that came that has like the different champions and it, it it does look like Akshan is fighting against Viego in the, in the scene, but it's interesting that he's he's stealing from his stuff. You know, maybe I mean, maybe maybe he's stealing from a warlord, and then after you steal from it, it is now the horde for the sentinels. I don't know. Oh, it's confusing. Oh, that, that could be. Yeah, it is. It is a little confusing. Um, but I think that I really like like the shat like the the ruination uh, possessed Shavana, and I really love mm-hmm. the sentinel of light riven. Um, and Diana, actually, I think Diana is also extremely cool. Um, and so, uh, but I am probably going to go ruination, um, just because I think a lot of the cosmetics in terms of like card backs and guardians, those are going to be things that I'm going to enjoy playing more, um, than the Sentinels of light stuff, but it just sort of depends. Like if they give you a really sick board for completing the pass and it's like, you can only get one or the other board that Sentinels of the light board is freaking dope. So it might be really hard to pass up the Sentinels of light board. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of a hard choice for me. I, I actually could get on board with either of them. Um, it will depend a little bit on the cosmetics. If there's a skin involved that might like, I want a skin on each side. Like, so it, it yeah. wouldn't make a big difference to me. I, I think I would still go with ruination. I feel like a, I feel like uh, a cool board would be the warlord's palace would make for a cool board. Oh, that would so be a cool board. can confirm he is a sentinel. Oh, oh we found he's a, sentinel. a rogue okay. sentinel. So he, so he must be stealing for the purposes of does. having. He fights Viego, so he steals for the Sentinels, oh, but he doesn't Lord. follow the Sentinels' rules. He just does roguish stealing things, Natural. and is like, "Look at these cool things I found." He's a rogue in D anD. d Okay, gotcha. Okay. Well, now I'm feeling better about Akshan. <laughs> no, I I think I just was feeling good about Akshan, no matter what. <laughs> I don't think it would matter who he's stealing from. Uh, I'm feeling good about him. Yeah, uh, he is cool. He is really cool. Yeah, but we get two shirtless men for our uh, for our new new champs. So. Chest yeah. out. 
That's true. There's yeah. a lot of there, there's a <laughs> lot of new cards and not a lot of shirts. Uh, just in, out in for the, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> not nearly enough shirts uh, in the next set coming up. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up this segment. It, it really cool looking at the cards. We're really excited for the new stuff. Can't believe we're getting new cards already. And mm-hmm. it, it won't be long before we're talking about the cards for the next set. Uh, probably about four weeks, four more episodes. We'll be talking about the cards that are being spoiled for the next set that's coming out as well in August, which is just completely crazy to me, um, but really exciting. Let's work our way out of here. Let's go ahead and jump on over to closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. Okay, guys, closing thoughts is the point in the show where we hope to add something to your life that's more than just LOR content, but life content as well. My closing thought for this week is a reflection on a podcast that I've been listening to recently. Um, It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um, If you're unfamiliar and you don't come from my world, you probably don't know Mars Hill was a really, really large church, um, expanded very rapidly, planted dozens and dozens of new churches that were very large as well. Um, and then kind of blew up all at once uh, when the leader of that, in, you know, that congregation ended up disappearing. And one of the major themes of this, it's a really interesting sort of uh, documentary and like research project by a group called Christianity Today. I don't typically love their stuff, but this podcast is incredible, especially if you're interested in it. But it's kind of an examination of narcissism. And in that, they talk a lot about how in the modern world that we live in um, with technology, Uh, your fame um, or your presence, like how known you are, can quickly outgrow or out, you know, outpace your inward conviction or character. Um, And I think a lot of times we want new things, like we want more responsibility. We want the, the, you know, the, whatever it is, like becoming famous, or we want to become a big streamer, or we want to, you know, be a good content creator. We want to, you know, get that, you know, level up at work. I can't really understand what it's not a level up, but it's kind of a level up um, at work, promotion. a promotion at work. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, thank you, DBN. And, uh, and I think it's important to realize that, it, you know, our character needs to outpace match and outpace the level of responsibility or power that we have. This is especially true in having children. Um, I remember when my wife and I first uh, were going to consider, like, I I had, like, the urge to have kids, and it was, like, I also knew that I was way too selfish and young um, to be a father yet, and so I went out and bought a dog um, instead because I could, like, father that, but I also could give it away. Um, which you shouldn't do with kids. Um, and so, you know, I just realizing that my character wasn't prepared for that next season of life yet. Um, I think it's important that we, we sort of take account of that and, and see like, how can I grow? How can my character, my trustworthiness, um, my, my, you know, ability to get things done, how can that grow, um, faster than you know, the amount of responsibilities or fame or renown or, or whatever it is, um, that I've, that I've gotten. Um, we see disastrous things when people's, you know, quick fame outpaces their personal character. That's my closing thought for tonight. Either you guys have any input on that or are you guys ready to get out of here? All I know is in about a year from now, I'm going to go to my boss and I'm going to ask him for a stark level up with a 10% raise in my pay. You better get your character in line before you get that 10% of, raise. Uh, I was thinking of asking for a Baratheon level up, but that's still a good idea. But a level up nonetheless. <laughs> it wasn't good, guys, up. but I had fun with it. 
It's still, still we appease you. That's the goal. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, we're here for you. Okay, guys, let's get out of here. Uh, if you want to get uh, connected with us, uh, we usually would tell people, you know, let us know. But right now, DBN and uh, and Gibbles, your content is all on this, right? It's just Legends Cast, right? That, yeah. Uh, yep. Well, no, because uh, Brendan is now on the Twitter. Twitter. Uh, yes. Representing doing tweets. the Legends Cast. So, on yeah. the tweet, tweet. Go find uh, us on Twitter. Tweet, tweet. Yeah, tweet, tweet. <laughs> <laughs> leave us uh leave us a rating a review on the iTunes as well that would be uh that would be very much appreciated if you haven't done that yet because it does help people find us and helps us remain like the top rated podcast uh for Runeterra as well that's that's big for us so go we'll leave us a five star rating and review yeah and and you can even request who reads it so if you oh, want Gibby to oh. read it Gibby can read it yeah yeah if you want uh me to read it I can read it. And if you want Mark to read it, you can request him to do a silly voice. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll just do the intro voice where I'm yelling and also basically <laughs> the whole time. We got a new review from <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is understood. Oh, that would be great. That would be my, great. My, my, my goal for tonight was to sign Mark up to do a bunch of things that he will that not do. Really was your goal was to make promises. <laughs> make promises on Mark's behalf. Yeah. The, it's like the more stars you leave on the review, the more gargle he has to make the announcement that's right <laughs> that's like that's like dbn's uh unique segment coming up it's just a short segment where he makes promises for me um, that's, that's all that it is every week <laughs> when, <laughs> um, i'll have oh, that for next awesome. week for you guys don't worry yeah. we'll even have a uh a, a, a stinger for it uh if you've listened this long you're in for quite a treat so um guys thank you for listening if you want to find me uh visit twitch.tv slash the lift if you want to find the uh, online gaming church that i lead uh it is twitch.tv slash lux l-u-x digital church you can also find links to all that stuff including our patreon and our discord and now our twitter all in the description of this episode so come and give us a follow thank you for listening and tuning in we appreciate you you guys are awesome and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.